Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. installment of the Run to Daylight podcast. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. You can find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. I will be joined today and we will have plenty of mojo as Fantasy Mojo, Darren Armani, the man who does more research into FFPC than just about any other analyst, will join us as we will talk roster construction in the FFPC. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FFPC. And I am very happy to announce that best ball drafts are now live. FFPC standard Superflex, and double up best ball leagues are available. Slow drafts are available with a two or six hour timer Live fast draft timers are now 60 seconds. Previous years, it was 90 seconds. It is a big improvement. I think I was told that you could do a draft in about an hour and a half to two hours now. Um, FFPC website has received the facelift, and the apps have been updated with various improvements, with more to come throughout the year. Please, as always, Go to myffpc.com, sign up, and have some fun playing best ball. Darren, I got a little bit of a late start, but it's good to have you on the show. Hey, Todd. How's it going, man? It's good. It's good. Uh, I almost got into a fight today with a guy who was carrying, uh, wearing a uh, Phillies hat uh, because he was a jerk in traffic. And he actually followed me back uh, back around, got out of his car, and um, his wife had to get in between us. I looked at him and said, really, you want to fight over that? I, I should have said, why don't you go and boo Santa Claus? But I didn't. Uh, that's that's going to be our, our legacy forever, that one time we booed Santa Claus. It's not like other fans and other stadiums never do any knucklehead things, right? It's just always Philadelphia. <laughs> Well, you guys are a little more consistent, I think, than most. But um, very passionate. Yes, that's that's a, that's a word, right? Um, <laughs> anyway, um, everyone is different. I don't see you out there throwing snowballs at uh, Santa Claus, mainly because you weren't born when it happened. Uh, I forget what year that was, but um, it was like sixty-eight. Uh, I might have been sixty-eight. Yeah, no, that was the year I was born. So. But I, oh, wow. I don't recall it. So. You, but your yeah. snow throwing arm was not fully developed at that point. 
Nah, we, we, we've graduated throwing full beers at, at, at Vikings fans and, you know, and punching horses and other nonsense that goes on. Actually, yeah, it's kind of crazy what goes on down there. So it's not a place for kids, needless no. to say. No, or, 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 or for, uh, well, never mind. You guys finally won a, uh, a Super Bowl a couple years ago and pretty good organization. I wish my team, the Giants, were as good of an organization right now. Yeah, well, it goes in cycles, right? So uh, right now uh, we, we seem to be headed back in the right direction again. But, um, you know, the Giants were there for a long time. So it comes and goes. Yep. Um, so I wanted to have you on because you do more research than just about anyone on the FFPC, all the different formats, including best ball. Why don't you tell the people a little bit about your site and what people can find there? Okay, um, so fantasymojo.com is a very PC slanted um, uh, content site. Um, probably ninety percent of our content that we have is revolving around the FFPC. We were the we were kind of doing data around the FFPC before anybody else was. Um, even. We were, we were capturing data even when the guys at the FFPC weren't capturing the data back to when they used to run it on my fantasy league. Bad, people don't remember this. Like I think it was back in about 2009, 2008, I think it was, and they were running leagues there. We were pulling the data off of my fantasy league. and So we are kind of a – I call it the FFPC data warehouse, but we're, we're a complete archive of, of basically every draft that's been conducted um, at the FFPC. So historically, we have quite a bit of data, but for, you know, in a given year, so for the current season, what people would expect to find is, um, I guess we're probably most known for the ADP that we have, but we we have the ADP for basically any variety of FFPC league that, you know, um, that they have. So best ball is kind of your standard one. That's what, you know, we're probably going to be discussing today. But then there's Superflex Best Ball, you know. Then they got Dynasty Leagues, they've got uh, Terminator Leagues, which are Best Ball Leagues where you cut a player every week. They've got Classic Redraft Leagues, you know. And then they have like a mixed variety. So then they got Best Ball Superflex and Dynasty Superflex, and and you know it's just it goes on and on. But we'll provide ADP. We'll slice and dice the data specific to that, you know that. Um, niche of of contests so that's uh the main thing that we do we all the thing that we have are actually the draft boards for every draft um and we update we update actually the adp and the draft board data every morning so if you want to see what happened in a live draft last night um you can you know hot, usually by like 9 a.m um in the morning that stuff's updated or you want to see boards of the ongoing slow drafts. I mean, it, it's all there. It's nicely indexed. Um, you know, if you want to dive in and see, you know, what are the ebbs and flows of a particular draft. Um, and this year, they're actually going to be letting us post football guys, ADP and draft boards, and main event, which is huge because that was probably the most commonly asked thing in the past. Is like, you know, because the classic – format basically approximated football guys. So it's the same, I guess, draft strategy, 20 rounds and, you know, the, the starting lineups are the same. 
Um, so we always point at people, well, look at the class, the classic draft data, and that kind of gives you an idea of what to expect of football guys. The problem is with football guys, it's a, it's a probably a more, uh, you know, robust set of players. Like that's where the hardcore high stakes guys are. So they weren't exactly the same, but anyway, so we'll have that this year. Um, I, I think that one thing that you mentioned that's pretty important is the fact that when you go into the FFPC to do a draft, that ADP, which has gotten a lot better over the last couple of years, is a ADP for all the different formats, correct? Um, when you're in a, when you're so- drafting, what you're seeing isn't broken oh, yeah. out by uh, the no. kind of it, so it's and that adds value to the stuff on your site. So if someone wants to. You know, because you're going to see, you know, where standard is much more popular, you still have Superflex mixed into that ADP, and that can throw things off a bit, I would think. Uh, so to be honest, I don't know. I don't know where the overlap is. All I know is that the data you see in the draft room doesn't really jive with the data that I come up with. I don't think they overlap the Superflex, but I think. You know, best ball gets mixed in there with classic, and it, it's just it's not it's not always right. You know, it's it's and you you know when you're looking at it, you know where the the things are off. Um, but they don't. How much do you charge it. for your site? The site's nineteen ninety five a year, and that's like that's like a nothing, bargain. right? Uh, it, well, yeah, relative. It's, a, it's to, a huge bargain. All right, know, so it, that it, gives us that gives us a good idea of what your site is, and also the price. So if you are interested, you can check out Mojo Darren on Twitter at Fantasy Mojo, and you can inquire, tell them that you heard about it through the Run to Daylight podcast, and who knows, maybe he'll be nice to you and drop it to $18.95. Uh, we didn't talk <laughs> about that, but um, let's, get into, let's get into more of the meat of what we're trying to accomplish here uh, for those who don't know, one of the things that I love about the uh, FFPC is that it's the standard drafts are 28 rounds. I feel that that rewards people who really know their sleepers, really study the rookies at this time of year. And with the CBA still up in the air, we could be delayed a little bit. The other things unique about the FFPC is the fact uh, that it is a tight end premium, so that tight ends are 1.5 points, making them more valuable. We'll go into some strategies on that. And also, the one that goes overlooked, Darren, is the fact that you only have to start two wide receivers, which is a big departure from both draft and fan ball. Right. So I always say that the the fan ball format is a little more rigid because of that. The threat, the other thing is with FFPC, you've got two flex positions too, which is huge because you could start one tight end or up to three tight ends. So not only is the tight end premium that the scoring, but it's, you've got added flexibility in there. And because of this, every draft is is a completely different animal. When you're drafting in a best ball 10, it kind of follows the same vibe every draft for the most part, right? You kind of know when 
players are going to certain ranges and, and kind of like what your construction should be draft to draft. FSPC is, is, is a much different animal because of the flex, the flex position. People will take very different strategies in each team. Like some guy might start four running backs in a tight end. Another guy might start five wide receivers. And they're all valid strategies because of the flexibility and, and the lineup that you can put out there. Well, and, and that, you know, one of my key foundational things, and basically this is the first teaching podcast of the year. I'm going to do uh, a similar roster construction podcast on Fanball. Uh, we're going to do podcasts on exposure and some of the other key things that will teach you to be a good best ball player. One of the things that I always preach is never take a player you have on a lower um, standard, you know, uh, I can't think of the word, but don't, oh, tier, don't drop down a tier to follow a strategy, no matter what that strategy is. And in the same way, don't, don't drop a tier because you need a position, uh, especially early in drafts. And based on what Darren is saying here, it confirms what I believe that the FFPC allows you to stick to your tiers a lot more and let the draft come to you in the first five, six rounds in FFPC versus other formats. Wouldn't you agree, Darren? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so getting back to the comparison with best ball tens, I think you know there's there's a, a some recommended uh, overall roster construction allocations that that you could shoot for. With FFPC, there are actually several uh, successful roster constructions that a person could take. Um, the thing is. So you don't just go into the draft like wanting to do like with best ball tens. I think we discussed on the other podcast. It was like three, six, eight, uh, three, two, two, something like that. There are actually a variety of constructions out that would be successful in the FFPC. The thing is, you can't go into the, a draft, or if you go into the draft wanting to lay out that specific roster construction, you, you may not hit it. So what? You, what you want to be able to do, and it comes with experience, is knowing what the successful constructions are with different configurations and pivoting from successful construction to another one based upon the value that's falling to you within a draft because things are going to change. You might have gone in wanting to get, get six running backs, but then all of a sudden, you know, the running backs dry up and, you know, you have to pivot to something else. So um, that's, that's kind of it's, – it's a, you've got more options. Let's say. Yep, yep. And and the other thing is where in an eighteen or a twenty round draft, roster construction is you know, not only tighter uh based on what positions, it's also, you know, less important late in drafts, I think, to you know, what position you take. It's uh, as in other words, I look at an FFPC draft and by the time I get through 21 rounds or so, I want three quarterbacks. I want uh, five or six running backs. I want six or seven wide receivers. I want three tight ends and I want uh, uh, three kickers and defenses. 
22nd round at the latest, I want to get my third defense. So my feeling is what you do with those last four or five rounds isn't quite as important as long as you hit your core in the first 20 to 22 rounds. Yeah, I think that's a solid um, assessment. You you want the core of your team, right? And then you kind of freestyle, you know, those last five, six rounds. Um, I, th- I think I-, I probably place a little bit less emphasis on the defense than maybe you do. Um, I tend to maybe get one premium defense, and then I, I tend to-, to be not as-, as concerned with the second and third ones because I'll let-, I'll let the optimizer do its work. I like to have three. Um, so I may actually, while you're saying wait till the 22nd round for that last defense, I may wait till and again, it's every draft is going to be different because runs on defenses are going to happen. Um, and I want to talk about the runs. If that's a separate topic. But, yeah, we're going to get to know, that in a minute. If, yeah, if the defenses are sort of hanging around, you can sense that, and I'll just wait, you know, because sometimes defenses will go undrafted. Not all the defenses go in every draft, so every draft is different in that respect, too. So. Yeah, I like to take a look. Uh, I definitely want three. I definitely want one decent one. Normally I want two decent ones, ones that I would consider 17th to 19th round defenses in fanball. Um, and I agree with you, though. And um, But but really, uh, I just want to make sure that the, the core of my team is good. So where in these other formats, if you stray from roster construction, you could be in trouble on the FFPC, you know, not all builds are the same because if you take a running back in the 25th, 26th, and 27th round and you have six running backs, that's going to be way different six running backs than some other team in your, in your league. Right. It's not, it's not an absolute of this how many, you know, six running backs. Well, is it six good running backs? Is it six mediocre running backs? So a lot of times you have to go a level deeper and, and see, like, where were these running backs drafted, you know? Yeah, and that's where we want to cover and where Mojo does cover those things. I mean, even in Fanball, when we did our podcast together a week or so ago, I talked about how all builds aren't the same. And I'll, you know, I'll look at my five running backs and I'll say, you know, ideally I'd like to stick to five running backs on Fanball. But if I feel that I don't have good enough running backs, I'll take a sixth one instead of a third defense. Or if there is a running back who is just jumping off the board at me in the 18th, 19th round, who I think I'll get more value out of than a third round, a third defense on the FFPC, uh, all the more that is the case because of 28 rounds. All right. So uh, let's discuss, uh, with that being said, with a major caveat in place, what are the best couple roster constructions on the FFPC in general? Okay. So on our site, we've got, I've got a whole section dedicated to best ball winning analysis. And one of the uh, reports within there is the roster construction win data. So if I look at, Here's the thing. There are 
combinations that are very successful, but they may not be highly drafted combinations. So if I, to answer your question, I probably go with like some sort of minimum number of, of rosters drafted with that combination. So in that case, uh, actually the most commonly drafted combination is three, seven, eight, four, three, three. And that had a win rate of 10.46. Probably, you know, that, that's where people generally want to be. 378433. The second highest one in that regard uh, was a 369433. So it's just really tweaking. Both of those had 15 spots allocated to running back and wide receiver. And that second one actually had a, a win rate of 14.83. Um, but those two, so it's basically three quarterbacks, a combination of 15 wide receivers and running backs, and then four tight ends, three kickers, and three defenses. Now, like I said, there are other combinations that have higher win rates, but people seem to be, you know, staying within what, what we just mentioned. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about here. So here's a combination that had a 25% win rate last year. It was three five nine five three three, but only twenty eight teams were drafted with that. So because of the the flexible structure of FFPC, there are an infinite number of, of varieties of um, constructions that. Did I lose you? Here. Okay. Are you there? All right, hold on, Todd. I got um. Can you just uh, carry this for like a couple of minutes? I got my wife that needs something. I'll be right back. Yep, no worries. All right, Mojo Thanks. will let us know when he gets back. But um, one of the things that I want to talk about here is, you know, when you look at the some of the other highly owned percentages, three eight eight four three two. Right. You figure, wow, I got 16 running back uh, and wide receivers, not 15. Well, one of those with three tight ends, three place kickers and three defenses is also 10 percent. But if you drop down to two defenses, three, eight, eight, four, three, two, it dropped down to seven percent, three, eight, seven, four, three, three, also uh, uh, under seven percent. Three seven nine four three two again sixteen seven point four six three eight nine four two two very popular um, all these ones that I'm talking about are very popular and the win percentage on that it was a uh, pretty abysmal three nine nine three two two was um, about one and a half percent of total drafts, about the ninth highest one, but you're down to a 4% win percentage. So my takeaway here is you can get cute in a lot of different ways in the FFPC, but one thing you don't want to get cute about is going above, you know, you go above 15 between those two, um, and, you know, go to 16 and there's a chance that you're okay. Once you get up to 17 and 18 between the wide receiver and the tight end, it, you, your win percentage really is going to drop off. 
So that's one of the big takeaways for me. Um, also, when I sort by win rate and I look for combos that have, you know, a decent amount of, of time, let's see here. I'm going to sort percentage of all combos of the top three, four, two defenses, none of the top one of the top ones that have defenses, only two defenses doesn't do well. I mean, we're talking about a major drop-off. So in looking at these numbers, I think you can get lucky with two defenses. Uh, here's one that was pretty good, 379522. Uh, that, that, you know, going deep tight end and low kicker, low defense. But in general, when you go to two defenses, there is definitely a drop-off in – the winning percentage. So I'm going to continue to go through some of these things. Three quarterbacks versus four and three quarterbacks versus two. Um, One of the highest win rates of the year last year was 279433. It was a much lower percentage, but it's – you know, it's kind of, I, I, I'm guessing you got pretty lucky with those two quarterbacks. Uh, Mojo, I think you're back. Is that correct? Mojo? Sir. All right. I hear you. Mojo, you are back. So what I was yeah, basically covering while you were gone is two defenses. There's a really big drop-off in win percentage overall. And dropping down to two quarterbacks isn't a great strategy either. Yeah. uh, I mean, it'll vary year to year. um, But in general, um, two quarterbacks last year was bad. Although in 2017, it was actually better than three. And and so those numbers, so there's best practices you want to follow. So I think probably because of the quarterback injuries last year. So you want to follow the best practice, but at the end of the year, it may turn out that something unexpected happens, like you said, with, with the quarterbacks. And, um, you know, it, it is something that's not of the norm to be better or worse. And same yeah. thing with the defenses. Last year it was two was subpar. Actually, two is subpar pretty much across the board um, in recent history. So really three is where you want to go. Yep. And and the other big takeaway I had from looking at this and we'll we'll finish up on on the overall roster construction here and dig more into when we take players in a minute. 15 is the ideal. You can get away with 16, but once you get above 16 running backs and wide receivers, your win rate drops. You know, you think you're getting cute and loading up on those positions. Uh, the the win rate really goes into the tank once you get up to 17. Yeah, that's kind of like if, if you're imagining a bell curve, it, it starts to kind of to to you know go down there. But there are you know one-off cases where people are able to pull it off. But then it's 
it's not because of the construction so much. It's if you dive into those teams, like the teams that have higher than usual win rates that use kind of an off the wall roster construction, that's where you take it to the next level and you say, Okay, well who did these guys draft? And you'll find that it was Devontae Parker. I mean it was guys who hit on the late round uh, diamonds um, is, is usually what you find in those cases. So let's go to the first few rounds of drafts in general. I try and come out of the first three rounds with at least one running back, sometimes two. And my other thought is not to force tight end because it's tight end premium early. Uh, what does the numbers show and what are your feelings on how people should approach the first three rounds of these drafts? We actually provide um, data in in that analysis I'm talking about, about the first two rounds and the first five rounds. So let me talk about it. Um, Let's, let's talk about what would you rather talk about two or five? Because I can give you a hard number. Well, let's start with two. I talk a lot about how you can supercharge your first and second round picks. So let's let's do two first, and then let, we'll spread it out to five. Okay. So in general, in the FFTC, uh, I think there's only been one situation where taking a tight end – well, let, let me put it this way. Drafting a tight end with one of your first two picks is a good idea historically. Very high win rates. Um, in 2019, depending on the other position you joined, you married that tight end with, you were looking at least a 10% win rate. A tight end, tight end construction, or a start last year, had a 13% win rate. Now, that's because, again, it's a year-to-year thing. It was very good because those tight ends stayed healthy. You're talking about Ertz, Kittle, um, Kelsey, right? Right. But just I would I would say if you it, it, people are different though. So if you like having that premium tight end, go for it. It's it's over the past three years, it's been um, if you if you've married it with a running back or a wide receiver, it's been it's been a plus uh, EV strategy to do that. Unless you, a couple you, years ago you drafted Gronk when he got hurt a lot. Well, that is the that's where they, the rates were a little bit lower, but still, even a tight end wide receiver in 2018 where you had the Gronk fiasco, it was still above average. Um, but, again, I'm doing the first two rounds. So that he was Yeah, and before, and before you get to the, the fifth, uh, Hilo, my partner uh, during uh, the, the NFL season, asked, what if, you, you know, let's say you have two or three tight ends in a tier – what do you do if you don't get those guys? And and that's where I think you can really get in trouble. Uh, I did last year with OJ Howard a bit. Uh, the year before, I got in trouble with Greg Olson a bit. If you you know, I I think discipline if you don't get one of the top guys is make sure you're not chasing uh, in rounds two through five. Yeah. So I would recommend that people take a look at the ADP chart, draw the line, uh, you know, circle the guys that you're that you you're comfortable with, but don't push them up. Because if you remember, I think with the last year, Eric, people were chasing Eric Ebron, like, and he was getting up into the third round sometime, and that's an example of 
you know, panicking and, and trying to chase the, 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 a premium or perceived premium tight end. It's, if you don't get the top, one of the top three guys, then the value that's been given to you and, you know, start going after those third, fourth-tier guys. Like, don't chase them. You know, don't, don't, get, don't panic and start, you know, chasing Ebron's and I forget who I think the key. Um, I think the key thought there is what made Ebron premium two years ago? It was a ton of touchdowns. And FFPC isn't a touchdown premium tight end league. So I think the thing that people need to realize when they consider tight end premium is receptions. Um, You know, a guy like Jack Doyle who catches a lot of passes but doesn't catch uh, touchdowns, guys who get targets are premium. Guys who are like Cameron Brait is not a tight end who is premium in the FFPC format because if he's getting there, he's normally getting there on touchdowns. And that's where Ebron was so egregious last year, because not only was he most likely not going to get as many touchdowns as he had the year before, uh, but he wasn't with Jack Doyle coming back. He wasn't going to get as many targets as the year before. So that's the thought I'll throw out there to our listeners. When you consider tight end premium, think about tight ends who are going who catch passes, not are touchdown dependent. Right. So you could go, you know, review the target numbers for the tight ends. Um, and that's, you, you want to be looking, looking for that um, instead of, you know, guys that caught a bunch of touchdowns. Probably so let's go back to the Patrick. top five rounds and uh, give me uh, some more thoughts on overall roster construction through five rounds. Okay. Um, let's see here. So in the top five rounds, uh, let's see. I'm trying to look. So again, it's a year-to-year thing. Um, like last year, people who were drafted going heavy on running backs in the first five rounds were, were very successful. That is because you didn't have a lot of, you know, injuries um, at the position like maybe it did the year before. And we talked about this on the other podcast. Last year was a bad year for zero RB because, you know, not too many of the backups actually got the opportunity to to, to pay off. Um, so well, that that ties into something that I wanted to always mention. I mentioned it on your pod. Every year, people chase what happened the year before, right? So you've been tracking this for three to five years minimum. What do running backs look like in uh, in a longer view? Right. So here's here's a here's a great stat. People who start who spent their first five picks on all running backs last year had a win rate of twenty eight percent. Guess what that win rate was in two thousand and eighteen? Six. Zero. <laughs> wow. Sixty-four people tried that in 2018. None of them won their league. And the How year about prior four that, straight was, running backs uh, last year and four straight running backs the year before? Okay. Well, it's not necessarily straight. I'll have, I'll have four out of your first five picks of running back. It was still good last year. It was almost 10%. The year prior was 4%. 
But then the year prior to that, it was 9%. Um, so, it, so it's a it's, risky it's a strategy. It's a risky yeah, so strategy. It's consistency year to year. It, it, yeah, it, it is a risky strategy. Um, it, can, it can do really well for you. And if, if you know, where, where I would, you know, again, we'll get into a lesson on portfolio building. And just like with roster construction, portfolio building isn't just about, um, you know, simple things. It's how you build throughout those teams. If I wanted to take a chance on some uh, four or five running back starts, I would do it when the value was there on my board. And I would make sure that it was part of my portfolio, not my strategy for every draft. Sure. Yeah, that's good. That's a good uh, recommendation. All right. Uh, what else can we perceive from the top five rounds? What if you just punt tight end or wide receiver or running back in the top uh, in the first five rounds? Uh, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna depend on which one you punt. Um, punting. Well, let's take, say punting tight end completely. Zero, you draft zero tight ends in the first five rounds. That's actually, you know, been not, not a successful, but it hasn't really hurt people. So it was zero tight ends in the first five rounds last year. It was a 7.6 winning percentage, 8% winning percentage the prior year, and seven and a half the year before that. So it's not going to kill you. So if you're not drafting tight ends, you're obviously drafting other – uh, you know, high-value players at other positions. And this, you know, the reason this can be done is because the flexible, flexibility of the roster uh, um, requirement for, for, um, for FFPC. You know, so where you're, you're fading tight ends, um, you know, you're, you're being able to start between two and four wide receivers. Um, the same thing with the running backs. You could be starting – uh, two or four running backs. So, it, it, you know, it's it's not really hurting you there. Zero wide receivers. Okay, so last year, zero wide receivers was a very high percentage of, of, of almost a 14% win rate. So that's the, the other side of drafting a lot of running backs was super performant. And then so drafting no wide receivers was also performant because it was a running back favorable year last year. Um, so it's going to vary. So, I mean, for questions like these, it's really – these are valuable numbers on the site that people can go to. And you can, you can see all the, the, the breakdowns um, across the board. Um, but is, is anything going to kill you? Not really. Um, because of the flexibility of the, the lineup that you can put in there, you can pretty much do whatever you want and, and not, you know, have – have lost the league because of it. Um, that's what I would say. It's very, it's, it's a very forgiving um, uh, lineup configuration. Correct. It allows you to do many different things. All, all the more, again, stick to your tiers and let the positions work themselves out over a longer distance, I think is the best strategy. Uh, the other thing I noticed about the FFPC, 
You talked about it a little bit already. It's a much, for whatever reason, it's a, I, I think it's because there are so many positions. I find that it is much more run heavy than any other format, and it's not even particularly close. Uh, well, you know, the first run always seems to be, you know, you seem to get running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends mixed in pretty pretty evenly in the early rounds. You You might have one quarterback a year or two who are going in the first four or five rounds. Uh, but the quarterback run seems to be the first run to me. Uh, would you agree with that? And any thoughts on the type uh, and severity of quarterback runs in these drafts? Yeah, so you'll normally see the quarterback start to go off the board in the eighth and ninth rounds. And that's pretty consistent. Now, to the 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 degree of, of what the run or, or the you know um, how how strong it is in, in my experience it's going to differ. There's a psychology in these drafts that may I think it is FFPC. Um, a slow draft, like how the runs go off in a slow draft versus a live draft. There's three kinds: a slow a live online, and then I'm going to add in there a live draft in Vegas, an, an in-person draft. So I think there's a psychology when quarterbacks start to go or kickers start to go or defenses start to go. The run is more severe in a live um, scenario. In a slow draft, people have, like, literally hours to, to, to plan a strategy and react. So it's not as severe. It's, it's, it'll be a bleeding of those positions over, um, you know, the rounds in, in which they start. And I've been in live Vegas drafts where literally there was 18 picks in a row of a quarterback or a picker or a defense. It's like it's nuts because people don't have time to really process it, and they're just yeah, I got to get my pick right there. Slow draft, it's not quite as bad, um, and it, it'll be you know they'll, they'll kind of gradually go off the board. Um, that's that's been my experience. But so, but yeah. once they start, that's they they kick off. Yeah, you're right. Well, and 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 the and the key thing here that I want to get across to my listeners is this is where your draft position in a draft is more important. You have to know when the runs are, and then you look at where you are in the draft. So if you're picking from the 12th spot versus the sixth spot. It's a huge difference in how I approach runs because I, I feel like as long as I get the one guy on the front end, I won't get shut out on the back end with my second guy that I feel I, I really, you know, I want too good at every position. I want two good quarterbacks, two good defenses, two good kickers. And, and, and it doesn't have to be the best defense, but I want two. Uh, same thing, you know, and, and again, same thing with quarterback. So if I'm in the 12 spot and 23 picks are going to go before I see my, uh, my next choice, I'm much more likely to reach a little bit positionally than I am in the middle of the draft. So that's how that's, I think that is one of the keys. And in the same way, if you're on the end and you, you know, take two guys. Sometimes you can start a run definitely in a, 
in a live draft and even sometimes in a slow draft, Darren. Right. So and, and if you've done a lot of drafts, you know when the runs start. And if you are at the end, you want to be starting the run. You don't want to be getting the garbage that's left at the end of the run. Um, so that comes with experience. It comes with reviewing draft boards and seeing, you know, where the runs start, how severe are the runs, and and, and getting ahead of them. Um, if, you know, if you want to what's left over. So yep, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, and I've said this a hundred times, uh, better to start a run than to finish a run. Uh, I remember in uh, Pros versus Joes last year, I took two kickers around where they normally go, but because it wasn't as savvy of an FFPC format, I didn't start a kicker run. But that's okay. I ended up with two good kickers, and if I hadn't screwed up the early part of my draft, that wouldn't have hurt me. So uh, that is, I yeah, think, you'll, you'll a, still a get big quality thing. options. Right. You'll still end up with, with quality options, but it is somewhat defeating when you think you're starting the run, and then, you know, so you take two quarterbacks, the 7-12 and 8-1, I got quarterback, quarterback, and then, like, one other quarterback goes off the board. And, and you know, you're like, I guess I, I sw- you know, I swung and missed on that one. Um, but right, it, it but it's, be- but it's better than them, sorry. It's better than only taking one quarterback and then coming back around, and now you're two tiers down on quarterback. You're looking at guys like Dalton or Philip Rivers, guys who have serious question marks this year and don't have spike week potential that you want in every best ball uh, team for quarterback. And, right. you and, know, and, and meanwhile, there's a plethora of other talent that's two to three tiers higher elsewhere. So I would always rather, you know, if I, if I start a run from the corner and it doesn't catch, I still feel better than when I don't take the second guy I need and then I'm, 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 I'm looking at taking someone who has almost no value on the way back. Right. And, and the penalty for, for, you know, getting caught by not starting the run is probably more severe now when free agency hasn't happened and, and you know, there's, there's you know, uh, the jobs are, up, are, are in question. With because the the known pool of starters is smaller than it will be if you're draft if you're doing these drafts at the end of August or at the beginning of September, because then the pool is deeper, um, and at least it feels like there are more quarterbacks to to select from. Now there's guys like you don't even know who's going to be starting for teams. So this this time of year you really want to be ahead of it. Yeah, I find myself taking a lot of Sam Darnold early. Because if you miss the end of that second to third tier of quarterbacks and you're looking at Rivers, I I feel pretty good that Brady's going to get a job somewhere. Uh, But, you know, there's a definite game of musical chairs here uh, when you're talking about Drew Locke and Fitzpatrick and Trubisky, uh, Phillip Rivers. You know, there are guys there. I agree with you. I, I think early I'd rather get my two quarterbacks than uh, take a chance. But 
Sam Darnold is a name that we know he's a starter. He has room for upside. If you get caught short, he's the guy that I've been taking in, in that second spot. Yeah, the guys with, with even though they might not be the elite talents, like they have, there's added value to them right now because you know that the job is secure. Yeah, and and a guy, a young guy like that with a a big arm, you know, he he, he uh, and he showed that he's kind of he runs hot and cold, and that's what I want a quarterback. I want a guy who's going to give me thirty points one week. My second quarterback, I want a guy who's going to give me thirty points one week and. Uh, 15 the next uh, I don't want a guy who's just going to give me 15 you know 18 19 20 points a week um, for my second quarterback unless my first quarterback is really streaky right that's that's taken to the next level now you're, you're diving into the, the, the game by game performances of these guys over the past couple of years and um, so there's a lot of layers to uh to identifying, you know, who the valuable quarterbacks are. Um, so, and I'll give myself a cheap plug here, and, and this is free on the website. I have something on here called uh, Best Ball Optimized Player Analysis. It's on the blogging menu item. People can go there, and, and what I did was I, I had the system for weighting uh, individual game performances in a best ball context. So I'll give you points for hitting a minimum floor. I'll give bonus points for exceeding uh, the floor. So a guy who gets, you know, scored 40 points gets four points. And then I aggregate it and it, it ranks them um, over the course of the year. So a guy like Aaron Rodgers, who might have been quarterback 10 last year, in this system was like quarterback 19 because he was very inconsistent and he had a lot of games that were just, you know, not acceptable. So people can check that out. That's that's a freebie up there. It helps for best ball. I use it anyway. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. Uh, we covered a lot about running backs. Uh, any other thoughts roster construction-wise on running backs as far as when you look to take them? Um, any t- you know, is there any type of running back? You, you know, I love to take guys who are either the rookies who are coming in this time of year or some pass-catching running backs. One guy I, I, I like uh, – that is more value than he normally is, is Duke Johnson uh, because he didn't get used properly last year, 13th, 14th, 15th round. I I, give me the third down back who has a chance to get some carries with an injury and give me rookie running backs who have a chance to, or or second year running backs uh, who with an injury can be um, a consistent guy uh, give you some upside. Those are the guys that I look for in the middle rounds. Any other thoughts on your end, Darren? That seems to be kind of the profile that those guys going. Um, you know, James White's in eighth round. They're three Cohen, eleventh round. Um, and then the second year rookies you're talking about, like Tony Pollard and uh, who else? Justice Hill. You know, those guys. Boston Scott. Matt Madison. Yeah, the, you know, the valuable cuffs. That That's kind of who's going. And those guys are kind of mixed in there with the quarterbacks. So it's tough, you know. Like sometimes there's there are certain guys in that, that category, in that running back category that you're talking about, that you really want to have. But then you have to weigh of like, okay, I, I'm going to have to roll the dice and maybe, you know, not get the quarterbacks that I want. Um, 
because because they are sort of mixed in in that same draft range right now. Yeah, I, I think most drafts you're going to come out of the first 13th or 14th round, especially if you take one of the top kickers, you're going to be a little short on something that you want. Uh, every draft, And again, this is where you can mix your portfolio. Uh, let the draft board play itself. Take your best players. Mix up your players. And then, when, you know, I really start looking at roster construction around the 13th, 12th, 13th round in the FFPC. Yeah, you're usually going to be weak at one of the positions. Um, you know, you can't nail all of them across the board. Occasionally, now here's a tip that's for, that people might be interested in. So live drafts are going to have a higher incident of teams that really blow it in the draft because there's just logistical things that happen. Like what happened to me at the beginning of this interview, I got called away, right? So if that was in the, <laughs> that was the live draft that I was doing, then I might have missed two or three rounds. So value was going to fall. Sometimes people just disappear altogether, and you have like one dead team like right out of the gate. And that, that value of those players falls to everybody else. That doesn't happen really in slow drafts because, you know, every, you know people have plenty of time to, to so personally, I'm going to be doing more live drafts this year because it's it's amazing how many teams just kind of, you know, there's like a free square in every draft, every live draft that I see. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's true. And, uh, you know, it's just whether you can find the time and whether they fill that night. Uh, but I think that uh, I think that's a really good um that's a really good thing to say. So we were talking about being a little uh, caught short at a position. The position I'm most likely willing to be caught short in in the FFPC, and this goes against a lot of people's training from the last few years, is the wide receiver position. And there's two reasons where running backs and quarterbacks and tight ends thin out very quickly, you can always find good wide receiver choices, even into like the 20th round, because what happens is you get to the 13th round and then the kicker run starts and then the the defense run starts and the third quarterbacks are coming off the board. And so wide receivers who you might have a 13th, 14th, 15th round grade on, are available to you in the 18th, 19th, and 20th round, and the fact that you only have to start two of them. So that that's my tip. Darren, uh, you agree with that? Uh, yeah. I mean, the pool of wide receivers is bigger, so the odds of you hitting on an unexpected sleeper is is going to be greater. So to, I, in my opinion, get your running backs and then, you know, throw throw darts at receivers at the at the end of the draft because there's even there's decent names at the end of the draft as well. You've got uh, um, who else? Somebody was recommending like uh, Danny Amendola, and there's there's a lot of receivers that there's like you know they 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 have produced and they could produce, um, like Nelson Aguilar for instance. I don't know, maybe he goes to another team and and has success. We know we know he's done it in the past, but he's like 26th round right now. J.G. Arcega-Whiteside, he's going to be in a position, he's going to be given an opportunity to do something. K.J. Hamler, I mean, there's a lot of rookies that are late in the drafts. Um, so there's just a whole, but Paris Campbell, 
who was a guy going like in the ninth, tenth round last year. He's twenty third round right uh, this year. It's just because you know he was totally off the radar. It's not because his talent is is in question. So there's a lot of of players that you could um, pick up late in these uh, in these FFPC drafts in the final rounds as far as wide receiver goes. Yep, and I think that's also why you see some pretty good winning percentages with eight and nine wide receivers. I think the teams that wait and, you know, you take two or three of those names that you just mentioned in the 23rd to 28th round, uh, especially this time of year, and I think you have a much better chance of those guys giving you usable weeks you know, it's great if you find a, the sleeper who in the 23rd round who, you know, pays off eighth round value, but that's not very likely. But it, what is likely is in the wide receiver position that you can get usable weeks out of more players in those rounds. And I think that goes underappreciated. Yeah, sure. Like um, Terry McLaurin last year, I don't think – I know when I was in Vegas and I did my best ball draft out there, I got him in the 28th round. And I don't think he was hardly even drafted in, in best ball leagues um, for the majority of the year. Um, so there's, there's, you know, diamonds in the rough that, that, you know, are out there. And sometimes it's just a matter of, let me just throw some volume of receivers out there at the end of the, at the end of the drafts. And, and more than likely something's going to fall into my lap. Um, you know, if you just, if, if you're a little bit educated about it. I, I agree. Um, tight end, it seems, you know, pretty important to get four of them, uh, I, I would say. But, you know, I try, you know, if I get a stud, I'm more likely to be willing to get, you know, if I get a kill, a Kittle, a Kels, an Inerts, uh, one of those really top guys, I, I really feel like, you know, unless unless there's a value on the board that just jumps out at me, I'm willing to pass on the position the rest of the way till the, like the 10th or 11th round, 12th round even to get my second and third guys. Um, any thoughts on uh, how to attack the tight end position? Yeah, you, you definitely want to be in uh, three, four, or five territory. If you go two, it's a disaster. Don't don't just roll with two. That's that's less than a four percent win rate over the past two years. Once in a while, somebody will, will catch lightning in a bottle. The famous example is in the pros versus Joe's drafts that we did. I don't know, five or six years ago. He drafted Antonio Gates, and he won. He didn't win his league. He won the whole competition. But that was the year. I think that was the Odell Beckham rookie year too. So it wasn't so much that. You know, one tight end was optimal. He like because he he uh, ignored the tight end. He fell into a bunch of other, um, you know, hits at, at at the wide receiver position. But that's not something you ever want to do intentionally. That was, you know, it, you could it, you could still win, but more than likely it's it's a very bad idea. Kicker so run is the kicker run is the hardest thing for me. I last year I spent a lot of capital on getting two of the three top guys and my win rate wasn't what I hoped it would be. I mean, there were other reasons for that. Uh, I talked about it in my first podcast. I didn't have um, exposure um, 
like I normally do. I was too heavy into certain guys and those guys didn't do well. But the, the, the hard thing is it seems like every year there's, you know, a third of the league lose their kickers to ineffectiveness. So th- there is a value to getting two guys who you know are going to put up points every week. What do the numbers show, Darren? And with your great experience in the format, what are your thoughts on drafting kickers in best ball? Three is optimal. Four is also very good. Um, now, two, I'm going to say two depends upon – like two is sub subpar, but not extremely. So two last year was – 7.7%. year before, it was 7%. I'm more comfortable going two kickers closer to the season. Doing two kickers now would be suicidal, in my opinion, because there are so many jobs that are in question, and there's just such a, a long time before. You know, the draft hasn't happened. We're probably going to get two or three extra kickers thrown in the, you know, um, into the mix. And it's just, you have to be drafting three in that you don't know what you're going to have. If, you have. if you're rolling with zero kickers or one kicker healthy at the start of the season, your team's pretty much sunk, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And uh, the the big three last year were Butker, Zerline, and Tucker. Uh, getting two of those three, uh, would you say that was that's a good strategy, or does it just put you out of too much value at other positions? I think it's a combination of things. Going back to our talk about when the runs happen, I'll tend to go for the, those really premier kickers if I think I'm kicking off a run, right? If I'm in the middle of the run, I'm not so concerned about having a top-tier guy. I just want to get three solid guys. Um, but that, that's usually when the premier guys land on my team. is like, okay, I know this kicker run's going to happen. And I think there's a you know, round 14. Let me, let me grab one of them. Um, that's when I usually end up getting those guys. When when do the kicker runs typically start, Darren? Uh, well, if I look, so this this type of information, you could. This is where I would go to the ADP. So if I look at the ADP for the last two weeks in best ball, and I look at the top guys, let's see, Butker, thirteen twelve, fourteen four for Tucker. So the end of the 13th round is, is where these kicker runs um, are traditionally happening, end of the 13th. So, but the, like, you want to look at the draft boards, and, and it, it'll vary from draft to draft. Uh, I think the latest, so the latest Butker went is 15.5. So, you know, 13th to 14th round is where it's starting. It's interesting that he's going ahead of Tucker this year. Yeah, it's the better offense. Well, I, I couldn't even say that anymore. Like, Tucker was, was pretty highly drafted even before, you know, two, three years ago even. Um, but, uh, yeah, right now, Butker is going – and that's based upon the, the, the offense that he's on, right? That's not so much of – he's a, just like Goskowski always used to be the first guy off the board every year. Yep. All right. So, that's that's good. We talked about defense uh, – a, a, a good bit already, so I don't feel like we need to uh, go there. Again, go to Darren's site, look at the ADP, look at where the runs are happening. Um, if you print that out, and especially for a live draft, 
and you print that out and cross it as you go, uh, knowing when the runs are going to happen and where you are in your draft, can, I think can help you have a significant advantage beyond the advantage that Darren talked about that people just either don't show up, they, they thought they were going to make it and they don't, or they get called away. So um, last thing I want to talk about, though, Darren, is the new slim format. And I, I, I know there haven't been too many drafts so far, but I think people are used to the draft format at 18 rounds and that roster construction and I, I think that it would be a mistake to try and have the same uh, construction for an FFPC draft that you would on 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 old play draft. Would you agree? Uh, what was the, the? I didn't do much draft personally, so I'm not sure what the the optimal construction was on there. Well, the big thing is uh, is you know you have to start three wide receivers. So right. um, I, I think that you're much more okay with a two quarterback versus three. I think you could go, um, I think, you know, for draft, it was ideal to get six running backs, uh, seven wide receivers, maybe eight, uh, two to three tight ends is, is in the, in the mix uh, on those drafts. But I think the way I'm going to attack them is, all the more I'm going to take this knowledge that we've gotten and I'm going to look to see what people are doing and I'm going to stick to my value chart more uh, because I, I think people are going to, in the, especially in the beginning, are going to make mistakes in these slim drafts uh, because they, you know, don't get the tight end premium and they don't get that you can get away with just two wide receivers. Yeah, starting uh, two wide receivers. So I, the thing to keep in mind, since it's only eighteen rounds, like the pool of sleepers, it, it, a lot of those guys probably aren't even going to get drafted. So what I'm trying to do, I did one draft so far, and what I did was I, I so I know what the the ideal setup is for a standard best ball. So if I throw out the kickers and defenses, I tried to in proportion narrow it, slim it down. So I came up with two quarterbacks, um, five to six running backs, um, seven to eight wide receivers. I still want three tight ends because they're so valued um, at FFPC. Um, so that's kind of the range I'm staying at. But with respect to the quarterbacks, I'm, I'm really fading them even later than I might in a regular best ball because I think now the value of the skill position players is, is increased relative to where they might be in um, a traditional uh, best ball draft. So I'll, I'll go for the two quarterbacks, but I might even wait later because, you know, the number of quarterbacks taken overall, you're not at risk of missing out on the quarterbacks, I think, like you might be in 28-round draft. For some people, sometimes they draft four and five quarterbacks. So I'm, I'm kind of elevating running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends and, minimizing quarterback. That's kind of my approach. And we don't have any historical data to go off, off of these ones. People want to know what the win rates were for the prior year, but this is the first year for it. So I'm kind of trying to just, you know, um, map it to 
what we do in, in standard best ball, and, but dial down the numbers, same proportions. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I, I also just think that um, you, you might see less runs in the slims than you do in the other drafts. Because you because roster construction is so much tighter, I think that people aren't going to be as concerned. You just mentioned, oh, I think I'll be able to get more quarterbacks. That thought is enough to make the draft less run-dependent than uh, what we're used to. So that's something I'm going to be keeping an eye out on. Uh, thoughts on that and any other thoughts that you want to share before we get out of here? Um, no, I think that's it. I think we covered all the questions. There was a couple of questions that came out on Twitter. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I missed one. Good. Good. Let me look that up. I got high lows, but the... I didn't get Jake's, um, view on miles Sanders projection this coming year. Talent is evident, but will volume be there as it was end of season? Uh, you and I discussed this and I definitely discussed it on my last pod. I, I, I mean, I think Sanders is being drafted near the top of his range. They've shown a real will desire to have three running backs in that committee. And I know he's a talented guy, but I'll, I'll be underweight on him at his current ADP. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah. He's, I think that's his ceiling um, where he's being drafted. His production last year, it wasn't by design. He fell into that because, Everybody else got hurt, so they were leaning on Ertz and Sanders for the most part. And then Scott came in a little bit um, and, and kind of offloaded that. But going into the season, they're not going to go in with that strategy. They're definitely going to want a uh, complementary back. I don't know if they want to go three. I mean, that's going back to the Laguerre Black days, right, where they had that three-headed monster. Um, I don't know if they want to do that, but he was getting I, I heard them 20, 20 say. Carries. I saw something recently where they said they really missed not having Jordan Howard down the stretch. And I, I think that there will be a third back and that back will be a pounder, the, the goal line back. I think they really want a short yardage back in that offense. And then they want a lead back and a, a guy who is, uh, you know, gives the, the lead back some rest. So that's the biggest fear for me. It's not that just that I think they're going to have three, but that I think that the third guy is going to be a guy who's going to take a lot of touchdowns. And I think people are sleeping on Boston Scott. I mean, uh, you're in Philly. You're tied in uh, even better than I am being a little north. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on Boston Scott in this equation? I think he's – I don't hear any question about him being, you know, very involved next year. I think he's earned the number two job. Um, I'll be surprised if they go out. Like, I think I saw somebody saying they were going to get Carlos Hyde. I, I don't know. I, I think they're comfortable with Boston Scott right now. And I'm drafting Boston Scott in a lot of leagues. Um, I, I am too. I, I, th I think he's, he's a great 11th, 12th round guy uh, with upside. Spike week upside he showed last year. And if Sanders goes down, Boston Scott could crush. Oh, yeah, like he did last year. He went bananas with, uh, you know, he, he could be this year's Miles Sanders, right? If, if the guy ahead of him goes down, then he could take full advantage. All right. Uh, I think that answers that one. Uh, let's go back to Hilo's question a little bit. 
Um, his exact question was, if you miss out on the top guys, what's your strategy? Uh, for me right now, that strategy is I think that Hunter Henry is a value uh, in these drafts. And I'm coming away with a lot of Hunter Henry. Uh, but I don't force tight end if I don't get the top guys. And I would rather take, th- you know, uh, three or four or maybe even five tight ends and just, you know, tr- you know, try and play the touchdown of the week game. Uh, but I, I, you know, just again, I don't like forcing things in drafts. Your thoughts. Yeah, if you don't get one of those top three guys, or, or, or now four with Andrews going ahead of Ertz, um, I have gotten Henry on occasion, but I think the sweet spot is starts with Dallas Goddard and goes down to, let's say, Blake Jarwin or Irv Smith. So that seventh to 13th round, those tight ends, that's a good, good spot to accumulate um, at least two tight ends from that pool, two or three. Um, I'll I like Thomas a lot. Uh, and I think that yeah, people, he, we talk about Ebron, uh, you know, he, they could add someone, the Colts. But right now, again, I think Jack Doyle is a very good value. Yeah. And he's, so the, here's the names on that list. Goddard, Kasiki, Hawkinson, Ian Thomas, Johnny Smith, O.J. Howard, and Joku, I don't like. Uh, but Doyle, Greg Olson, Ebron, Herndon, Jarwin, and then Irv Smith. That's a sweet spot. And then after that, it gets pretty iffy. Yeah, I think Janu is another guy. We're gonna uh, we're looking at no Delaney Walker if they upgrade at quarterback. Janu's a really talented guy, um, and I think Janu's a, and Ian and Thomas are both guys. Back to the point I made earlier about get your tight ends who are gonna catch an, you know four or five balls every week, you know, and then if they get a touchdown, you've ha- you have a really big week. Uh, I, I want a guy who's going to get me 60, you know, how, give me the ability to get 70 catches. And, um, and, and those young guys, Johnu and Thomas, I think, and Doyle, who's not a young guy. I think those are guys in that second tier who could get you that 60, 70 catches that really can pay off in a tight end premium. Right. They're, they could, they have good, good opportunities to outperform their ADP and that's, you know, what you're shooting for. All right, that's going to do it, Darren. I really appreciate you joining me and uh, doing this with me. I know I'll be drafting with you, and uh, we got the hard way coming up in a couple months. Um, but uh, always a pleasure, my friend. All right, it's great talking to you, Todd. Sorry I had to drop off earlier, but, uh, you know, think that Life happened. happened. But, you know, it was great talking to you. Yep, you too, buddy. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Thanks to everyone. Again, remember the FFPC, uh, all the great things about the FFPC. One thing that I don't always talk about, but that I probably should, is the fact that they have a very active dynasty community. And dynasty leagues and orphans are available for sale starting at $77. And if you think you're really good at dynasty, they do discount teams. Uh, So go and check that out. Uh, And always, again, go to myffpc.com. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Run to Daylight program.